Well, good morning. And happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. I think it is fitting and appropriate that we do take at least one day a year and, and honor um, the moms um, for all that they do because there is something very unique about motherhood. I don't know if it has to do with that nine months of carrying around this um, life that's forming inside your own body. I don't know if it's all of the um, hard work of labor and delivery. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but there is something unique about motherhood and that connection between a mom and, and child. And, and, and I think only moms uniquely understand what it is like to go sleepless for months on end um, they, in a way that no one else can truly appreciate. Only moms know how difficult children can be. Raising children is not easy. They have no boundaries. They think only of themselves. Um, they're, they're so demanding. They're happy one minute and then whining and crying the next. And they never say thank you or appreciate all that you've done for them. It's a good thing we grow out of that when we become adults. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Um, I remember back when I was a youth pastor, and I loved being a youth pastor, but, but I do remember getting to a point where realizing, you know what, someday I would like to work with adults who don't have quite so many issues. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen either. Um, the truth is, and we say it around here a lot, that we are all people in process, and we will always be people in process. That is a lifelong journey. And, and one of the key things about all of that is you will never progress in that process without other people. It takes community. It takes family. And in the same way that a child needs a family um, for its own health and growth and development, so any follower of Jesus Christ needs a faith family, a church community for their growth and development and maturity. And, And Paul wrote about this actually to one of the churches in the New Testament times, It was in a city called Ephesus, and um, he wrote a letter, which is our modern-day Bible, the book of Ephesians. He wrote this at the very beginning. In fact, the whole book of Ephesians is all about this family that God has been developing and has had in mind from the very, very beginning. Uh, Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 3, he wrote, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ, holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Chapter 2, he continues on. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 10. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are in the middle of a series called Believe, and we've been using this as a resource book, um, which we are making available to every single person uh, who attends here at Northgate. So if you have not yet picked up your copy, it is free. You can pick it up at the information desk. We're encouraging everybody to get this. We're halfway through this series, but it's not too late to jump in and join us. 
more importantly, I'd encourage you to get involved in a community group where we learn and discuss and, and share together as we grow in this thing. The whole first part of this uh, series was all about what do we believe? What are the essentials of the Christian faith? And this second middle section we're talking about right now is all about how do we believe? We can say we believe that we're a part of God's family, but what does that look like in everyday life? What does it mean to be a part of a faith community? And I think it's appropriate on Mother's Day to talk about this larger family of God that he is established and he is growing and that you and I are a part of. And you might say to yourself, well, why do I need that? Why do I need to be a part of a church family? Well, Paul put it this way. He said, you are members of his family. You're members of God's family. And his purpose was to use the church to display his wisdom and all of its rich, rich variety. That, that you are an expression of what God is doing in this world and being a part of a church family is absolutely essential to it. And today I want to talk a little bit about that. Why do we need a church family? If it's God's design, if it's his plan, if it's his way of showing the world his wisdom, then, then what does that look like to you and me? Why do we need a church family? I think first off we need a church family because it's in a family that we grow to maturity. I mean, think about this in your human family. It is absolutely essential at every stage of life and development that family is a part of your life. Certainly when you're an infant and totally dependent on, on your parents for food and sustenance and shelter and all of those things. But even through those growing up years, through the terrible twos and on into you know, kindergarten and, and grade school age, you need family who is there to support and encourage and teach and instruct and all of those things. And then, and then you get to teenage years and, and they may want to disown you and never see you, but, you, but they need you still because it's the, that transition from childhood to adulthood is, is absolutely essential to have family as a part of that. And then even in adulthood, one of the things that I've discovered now that our kids are grown and we've got grandkids now, um, that I will never stop being dad. My wife will never stop being mom. That even in adulthood, you still need that family connection, sometimes more than ever before. And so it's all part of, of how we need that in our human families. We need that for our growth and maturity. So it is true for our spiritual growth. We are hardwired for relationships. God created us for that. That longing for belonging, it's sometimes called. God put that inside of us because we need one another. And a church family is that, is supplies, that supplies that for us in our spiritual growth and health and development. Definition I heard a number of years ago about family. Family is the place where when you show up, they have to take you in. And that's pretty much true. And that ought to be what a church is. The church ought to be a place of acceptance and love. And that if anybody shows up, we take them in. Because we're part of God's family. That's what Paul wrote. He said, you are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Because it's about belonging. But not just belonging. It's also about becoming. As you were growing up, your parents taught you some things. They gave you boundaries and they, they disciplined you. And, and it was only because you didn't have discipline in yourself. You needed someone to show you some discipline so that eventually you would grow up and be self-disciplined. Your parents gave you uh, jobs and, and responsibilities and things to do and, and, and accountability for those things so that you would grow up to be responsible as an adult. That they helped you in this journey from total dependence, not just to independence, but to interdependence. 
Because we need that. God designed the church for that very same purpose. Ephesians 4, 13 says, we will all, this is the goal, that we will all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. That we need a church family for that kind of maturity to develop in each and every one of us. And that's why when you take the membership class, if you take it next week, um, we, we talk about there is not, membership isn't about rights and privileges around here. When we talk about membership, we talk about ownership and, and partnership, that it's about accountability, it's about responsibility, and it's about being a part of what God is doing through this community, this faith family. And, and that's what it means to be a part of a family. And, and, and your parents helped you grow and to mature in all of that. I remember... Because, by the way, because all of those other things, responsibility and accountability and, and discipline, those aren't things that are fun, but we need them anyway. When our, our son was growing up, um, one of the things I wanted to teach him was how to be a gentleman. And so when he got to middle school age, one of the things that required of him was that he was going to open the door for his mother. Well, he couldn't understand why she needed that because she's got two legs, she's got two arms, she's got two hands, she can open the door and get in by herself. And I said, no, no, I'm teaching you how to be a gentleman. And he said to me, but I don't want to be a gentleman. <laughs> I said, well, you're going to be one anyway if I have anything to say about it. Because they needed, he needed to learn those things. I, I remember when I was a kid, um, feeling sometimes like my, my parents were unfair or, or, or mistreated me in some way, and, and I wanted to run away from home. Anybody here ever as a kid wanted to run away from home? You just felt like, mom and dad are so unfair, they're so demanding, blah, 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 I'm just going to run away. Well, I was chicken to run away. I had nowhere to go, but I found down in our garage, there was this little niche, this little nook that was kind of in between the studs, this nice little corner, and I thought, I'll show them. I'm going to go hide, and they'll think I ran away, and so I found this nice little cove, and I tucked myself in there, backed into it, and I thought, it was the greatest hiding place ever, and it was so cozy, and I fell asleep, and my dad found me. And when he found me, now he tells me the only way he could get me out was to grab me by the hair and pull me out. That's what he says, but uh, to this day, I don't feel too kindly about that one. But sometimes people do that with churches. Somebody offended me. Somebody was unfair to me. And then you walk away from the discipline and the responsibility and the commitment of a church family. See, you need a church family for that type of growth and development to happen. We're here to help each other grow. Paul wrote to the Colossian church, let this message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. In other words, it's not just for an hour on a Sunday morning. It's about community and faith. And that's why we, by the way, we put such an emphasis on getting people into community groups or, or into the rooted uh, program and process because it's in community that we share and we grow together. He says, teach and admonish one another. And that's why it's so important that we get out of rows and into circles because that's where the real growth in community happens. And you need that. That's one of the reasons why we need a church family. Another reason is, is that in a family, we grow to discover, we learn to discover our own unique contribution. I firmly believe that every single person in this world has a contribution to make. 
You, every one of us in this room, have something to offer this world. And your greatest sense of meaning and your greatest sense of fulfillment will not be in what you get out of life. It's what you give in your life. I've been reading the um, biography of Winston Churchill. And uh, what an amazing man and great quotations. And I didn't know that he was the one who first said this. But he was the first one to say, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And the greatest contribution of your life will be the most fulfilling and most meaningful thing that you do. And you have something to offer this world. And parents know that as you raise your children, you begin to understand there are differences in every child. In fact, I remember there were some times we wondered how these two kids could be so different and come from the same gene pool. (laughs) But they were different. And parents recognize that. And, and our job as parents is, is to recognize those differences and to call them out of, their, of our children. To recognize, because some kids, some kids have great athletic ability. Some have no athletic ability but are, are strictly academic and, and just book smarts. Some people are very mechanical and, and good with their hands, where others are more musical and good with their voices. And, and parents recognize those strengths in their kids and help call them out and encourage them in their strengths. And the same thing happens in a church family. We are here to call that out from each other and, and to encourage one another to discover their life purpose. And God has uniquely shaped you and gifted you and given you certain talents and abilities and, 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 and personalities and experiences that you've gone through, all because of the contribution that you have to make to this world. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about this next week in greater detail, but I just want you to know this morning, you have a purpose in this world. You have a contribution to make. And part of our job as a church family is to call that out in one another and help each other find that, that place where we make that contribution. The Ephesians 4, 7 puts it this way. He has given each one of us, no exceptions, each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Because of the contribution that each one of us make. He goes on. He puts it this way. There are different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of service. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. In other words, whatever resources you have, whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever abilities, whatever your personality might be, God has shaped you in such a way that you have a contribution to make. He has given you all of those things not to waste on yourself, but to serve other people. 1 Peter 4.10 puts it this way. Each one of you should use whatever gift, whatever gift your gift is, not somebody else's gift, whatever gift your gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In a church family, you get to discover where your unique contribution is. And that's what we're about as a family. And then lastly, it's in a church family that we learn how to love. Because love is not just about warm, fuzzy feelings. Love is something that takes constant effort and attention. Have you ever noticed that some of the most difficult people in your life are in your very own family? You ever notice that? Isn't that true? I mean, really, show of hands. How many here can think of at least one family member that's just a little bit hard to love, okay? 
Yeah, okay. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, you might be the one. So now everybody raises their hands, right? Nah, it, but you know why those people are in your life? You know why they're in your family? To teach you how to love. I'm going to tell you here. As wonderful a gathering of these wonderful people might be, there is at least someone in this room, right this very moment, who will sometime in your life irritate you, or frustrate you, or anger you, or maybe even hurt you. It might even be your pastor. Why does God put those people in your life? So that you would learn how to love. That, that, that's how you learn love in your family. I, I grew up a family of four kids. And, and there were times, you know, I, I, I remember I would just be so angry. My little brother, I was the oldest, he was the youngest, and he was so irritating sometimes. And it would be sometimes I would just say, I hate my brother. And my mom would say, no, you love your brother. You may not like him right now, but you love your brother. <laughs> Look at the way Paul put it. He said, always be humble and gentle, patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you learn patience? By being stuck with someone who tries your patience. <laughs> it's the only way that you develop patience. It's real easy to be patient when everybody's doing the right thing and doing it the way you want them to do it. It's a lot tougher and you really learn about patience when you have to put up with somebody who's not doing it the way that you want. Making allowance for each other's faults. Because you've got your faults and people are making allowance for you. It's what it means to learn how to love. Again, he goes on. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Kind and compassionate. How do you learn kindness and compassion? From needy people. See, God puts needy people in your life. So you learn how to be kind and compassionate. Forgiving each other. There's only one way to learn how to forgive. It's by forgiving someone who's hurt you, wronged you. See, love is learned. It's not warm, fuzzy feelings. It's a decision. It's an action. It's behavior. And God purposely put people in your life, in your family, and even in your church family to teach you how to learn to do these kinds of things. It's in a family that we truly learn how to love. John 3, 1 John 3 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. Bob Goff wrote a book a while ago called Love Does. And then this is kind of the follow-up book to that. It's called Everybody Always. I just picked this up. Actually, our whole staff is reading through this. Um, but he writes about this. How do you love hard-to-love people? He writes it this way. He said, here's how it works. When I meet someone who is hard to get along with, I think, can I love that person for the next 30 seconds? And while they continue to irritate me, I find myself counting silently. 27, 28, 29. And before I get to 30, I say to myself, okay, I'm going to love that person for 30 more seconds. 
This is what I've been doing with the difficult commands of Jesus. Instead of agreeing with all of them, I'm trying to obey God for 30 seconds at a time and to live into them. I try to love the person in front of me the way Jesus did for the next 30 seconds rather than agree with Jesus and avoid them entirely, which I'm sad to say comes easier to me. I try to see difficult people in front of me for who they could become someday. And I keep reminding myself about this possibility for 30 seconds at a time. It's easy to agree with what Jesus said. It's what's hard is actually doing what Jesus did. For me, agreeing is cheap and obeying is costly. Obeying is costly because it's uncomfortable. It makes me grow one decision and one discussion at a time. It makes me put away my pride. These are the kinds of decisions that aren't made once for a lifetime. They are made 30 seconds at a time. Loving each other is what we were meant to do and how we were meant to roll. It's not where we start when we begin following Jesus. It's the beautiful path we travel for the rest of our lives. Will it be messy and ambiguous and uncomfortable when we love people the way Jesus said to love them? You bet it will. Will we be misunderstood? Constantly. But extravagant love often means coloring outside the lines and going beyond the norms. Loving the neighbors we don't understand takes work and humility and patience and guts. It means leaving the security of our easy relationships to engage in some tremendously awkward ones. Find a way to love difficult people more and you'll be living the life Jesus talked about. Go find someone you've been avoiding and give away extravagant love to them. You'll learn more about God, your neighbor, your enemies, and your faith. Find someone you think is wrong, someone you disagree with, someone who isn't like you at all, and decide to love that person the way you would want Jesus to love you. We need to love everybody always. Jesus never said these things would be easy. He just said it would work. It takes effort. It takes intentionality but it is absolutely essential. And God gave us the church family to practice on each other. Jesus put it this way. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Bottom line, it is the single most distinguishing characteristic of followers of Jesus Christ. And the only way we learn it is in a family. Would you bow your heads with me? We firmly believe around here that there is nothing so lost in anyone's life that God cannot find it. There is nothing so broken in your life that God cannot mend it. There is nothing so dead in your life that God cannot resurrect it. We are committed as a church to be a place of belonging and becoming, life transformation, learning how to love, finding meaning and purpose for our lives. We're committed to that as a church. And maybe you're here today and you've given up on church. You were offended or hurt somewhere in the past and you've thought never again, but for some reason you're here today. Maybe it's time to re-engage in a faith community, in a faith family. Maybe you're here today and your next step is to restore a relationship and bring forgiveness. Maybe it's to 
after this afternoon to make a phone call to that one estranged family member and just say, thinking about you, I love you, hope you're doing okay. Maybe it's something like getting engaged in a, in a community group. I don't know what it is, but, but I am sure that God is poking at you somewhere. There's something that he's speaking to your heart. And my only thing today would be, would you say yes? Yes, Lord. I need to learn how to love. I need to learn how to forgive. I need to find my contribution in this world. And if you would just today, just say yes wherever God is poking at you. I would love to pray for you as we close. Because the kinds of things that God's speaking to you about are not things you're going to change on your own. But Jesus is here to help you. And if you're willing to say yes to him, he's willing to work in you and on you. So if you could use some prayer in that regard, if there's something that you need to say yes to God about this morning, would you just raise your hand and Hold it up for a moment. As you do, look up, catch my eye, because I want to pray with you and for you. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. Now maybe here today, for you, it's a first step of faith. And it's just a willingness to say, God, I want to be a part of your family. I've been estranged from you, walked away from you, had nothing to do with you, but I realize I can't live this life on my own. I need you. I need your family. And today, your first step is to take a step back to him and just admit your need, your faults, your failures, your sin. He loves you so much that he gave his one and only son who gave his life on a cross to absorb the pain, the punishment that that sin deserves. And he is here in his grace and mercy to forgive and to welcome you into his family. And if you've never done that before, but today you want to take a first step of faith and trust in him, and you're just willing to admit you can't do this on your own, I'd like to pray with you too. If that describes you in any way, just same thing. Raise your hand. Hold it up for just a moment. Catch my eye. I'm going to pray with you and lead you in a prayer as we close. All right. Yeah. So just make this your prayer. Lord, here I am, as is. You know my faults, my mistakes. You know my struggles. God, you know me better than I know myself. Today, I'm coming to you, and I'm just saying, I need you. This part of my life needs to change. My whole life needs to change, and I cannot do it on my own. So today, Lord, I admit my need. I ask your forgiveness. I put my life in your hands and I'm just asking, teach me how to follow you in this life. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Would you stand with me? Hey, if you made any kind of a decision today, if you would like ongoing prayer, we have prayer partners who will be up here at the front. Be happy to pray with you. As everybody's leaving, if you just kind of hang for a little bit, let them make their way out. Come on up. They'd be happy to pray with you, pray for you. If you made any kind of a decision today or have ongoing prayer needs, use that connection card. Just fill it out. 
place on the back for you to let us know, especially if you made a first-time decision today. Let us know I became a follower today of Jesus. And then you can take that card, put it in one of the giving boxes, give us a chance to uh, follow up with you and pray with you. Um, If it's your first, second, or third time, take that card and drop it off at the new friend's desk there. Uh, Give us a chance to connect with you on a better level there. All right? So let me just leave you with this blessing. Um, It comes right from Paul's letter to the Philippian church, and I think it's so appropriate for today. Paul wrote these words, and if you would, just in this posture of receiving, would you take this as your blessing? May your love abound more and more in depth of insight and knowledge so that you will know what is best and be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.